And the Oscar goes to Joaquin Phoenix Joker. So Bernie Sanders is arresting activists who are calling him out for his hypocrisy in the dairy industry. We have protesters, nonviolent protesters, who are being arrested uh, by the candidate of the grassroots activists. We feel entitled to artificially inseminate a cow. And when she gives birth, we steal her baby. Even though her cries of anguish are unmistakable. And then we take her milk that's intended for a calf and we put it in our coffee and our cereal. It's really shameful. We've reached out to the Sanders campaign time and time again. They've completely ignored us. They've completely blown us off. I'm not going to give away. Oh, that's fine. Oh, I'm filming. <laughs> okay, that's all good. Make sure uh, you're on our camera. And I think we fear the idea of personal change because we think that we have to sacrifice something to give something up. But human beings at our best are so inventive and creative and ingenious. And of course for them, size is directly tied to product value. And then I ended up thinking about why the pig looked so sad and depressed and repeatedly thinking about this came, uh, led me to this very strange story of Okja. And one of the things that you did to prep or for research, you went to a slaughterhouse I know in um, in the U.S. in Colorado. In Colorado, yeah. They call it uh, the beef plant. Beef plant. Yeah, yeah. Not, they never call it slaughterhouse. Oh, beef plant. Yes, yeah. yes. They and, call uh, it beef plant, and they are very proud of it. And I think that when we use love and compassion as our guiding principles, we can create, develop, and implement systems of change that are beneficial to all sentient beings and to the environment. I have dogs here. Like, should I move to a, a more silent location? Sorry, I didn't think about that. No, that's all right. Um, I have a cat too, so he might, uh, you know, make some noise. Um, if it's, okay. yeah, if you're not too worried about it, I don't mind it. Um, but if you'd rather move somewhere without them, that's totally fine. I'm fine. Yeah, yeah I'm fine. It's very I don't Glenn know Greenwald how... of you to have dogs, uh, like, interrupt an interview. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, definitely a, a normal occurrence. I just gave him treats. So um, you probably heard about Oliver. He's one of our dogs that we rescued from the dog meat farm. So he's over here. Oliver, do you want to say hi? No, he's like, no, not, not when I'm eating my treat. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, I like, honestly, I'm pretty starstruck talking to you. Uh, like I said, I've been following DXE for a long time. So um, I'm really honored to, you know, get the chance to talk to you. So Welcome, dear listeners. You're listening, as always, to The News Never Ends. I'm your host, Dan Ackerman. Peter couldn't be with us this week. Uh, but instead, I have a great interview lined up for us. Uh, with me today is Priya Sani, a co-founder of Direct Action Everywhere, or DXE. Priya, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. And thanks for having this podcast and elevating animal rights in the news. We know that mainstream news isn't always, you know, capturing our message correctly and delivering it. So I really want to support people like you who are doing their best to elevate animals' perspectives and getting it out there. Thank you so much. Uh, I feel the same way about your work. Um, uh, Direct Action Everywhere, or DXE, is an animal rights, animal liberation organization, as I understand it. Um, I've been following their work for a couple of years. I think I got uh, hipped to them, uh, and you guys, I guess, um, from The Intercept uh, and, you know, Glenn Greenwald's coverage, uh, who has been... Wow, I didn't uh, yeah, this is, uh, this, like, goes back years, um, and I don't know if you've mm -hmm. seen this on Twitter, but, uh, you know, Greenwald has been showing up for you guys since this protest in Carson City. There was like, uh, you know, we'll get into kind of the Twitter discourse around this stuff, but uh, Felix Biederman and Glenn Greenwald uh, like had a good back and forth on Twitter where, you know, the Chapo Trap House guy was like, uh, yeah, you know, factory farming, you know, they were talking about this uh, protest that you did in Nevada and the Chapo guy was like, yeah, factory farming is an atrocity and our, uh, uh, you know, in a couple of generations, history historians will not be able to understand it. And Glenn Greenwald was like, yeah, these people are heroic. Um, and it's been, you know, a bright light uh, in an otherwise uh, kind of, you know, uh, misinformation and misunderstanding filled context, I think, for this stuff. Um, yeah, you so well, because I think that that's one of the really amazing things about this action. It, and, and, you know, the Bernie Sanders protests and disruption is that there's a lot of criticisms. And ironically, a lot of them comes come from vegans. And of course, Bernie supporters, and I'm not, you know, saying that that's not legitimate. We definitely see their perspective and see where they're coming from. But ironically, you also see all of this talk about animal rights in a way that we haven't really seen 
with other actions. And so when we have Glenn Greenwald and people he's corresponding with on social media, who are basically admitting and saying, yep, yeah, you know, this is really messed up. What's happening to these animals? What's happening to these cows? It kind of uh, shows us the power that these protests and actions have to not only talk about the action itself, but the underlying issue that we're trying to convey, which is that animals are being subjected to horrific cruelty. We have uh, politicians like Bernie Sanders who are amazing and share so many of our values, but let's be honest, we live in a speciesist society. And for that reason, he's operating in that society. And when these politicians, progressive otherwise, aren't thinking about animals as a part of their platform, no fault of their own, because they're so you know tied up in this society that we're all you know, that we're all sort of brainwashed by, it's our duty to then elevate the perspective of animals. And if Bernie truly does, you know, believe in, in the values uh, that he that he says he believes in, I really do think that eventually he will, uh, you know, he will stop subsi subsidizing the dairy industry and that he's going to stop supporting them. And he's going to acknowledge that, yeah, this is not really part of my values. So, um, sorry, I just rambled. No, there, please. But. No, that's excellent. And um, just to give people some context, uh, just to tell people exactly what we're talking about. Um, so yeah, Priya Sani is with us. She is a co-founder of Direct Action Everywhere, like I said, um, but listeners of the show might know her better uh, as the woman who took the mic from Bernie Sanders this past, <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong on the, any of these details, but uh, I'm talking to Priya on Friday, February, what is it, the 21st today? Um, and uh, this past Sunday, February 16th, uh, Bernie Sanders was holding what I guess was a rally just for his supporters getting out the vote in Carson City, Nevada, and Priya jumped on stage. Um, it looked like you were, and I want to hear more specifics about like what actually happened, but it looked like you were in the uh, kind of crowd behind him, and uh, as he started to get on stage, you got on the stage, you took the mic from him, uh, you started out by saying, I love you, Bernie, I'm your biggest supporter, uh, but you know, we need to stop subsidizing the dairy industry and uh, animal cruelty. I, I, you know, I can read your exact quote. People might have heard of this story, particularly because uh, a couple more DXE, I assume members, uh, but activists at least, uh, jumped on the stage with you, uh, took off their shirts, and poured uh, a blood-like substance uh, onto themselves from uh, like fake milk cartons. Mm. And um, uh, you know, I was tipped off to this, uh, you know, happening because of uh, the, the first thing I saw was this tweet from uh, Annie Grayer at CNN that said, uh, I'm reading it right now, when Bernie Sanders began his event in Carson City, female topless anti-dairy industry protesters stormed the stage. After the women were taken off the stage, Sanders said, this is Nevada, there's always a little bit of excitement at no extra cost. <laughs> So, I, you know, I want to hear more about what happened and from your perspective how this has developed. Uh, but I think a lot of our listeners uh, will be having, you know, the same question. And so I want to uh, open with this, which is, where do you get off? Yeah, yeah, no, totally. I mean, and, you know, we have to see the humor in all of this, too, because, you know, let's be honest, it is it is a provocative thing. And sometimes that does it, it elicits a lot of emotional responses in people. So yeah, I mean, I'm not afraid to laugh at myself and and also, you know, engage with people who are very, very upset. And yeah, like you asked, where do you get off disrupting Bernie Sanders? Like we are, he is trying to do his best. So many people have come and 
commented on my page, uh, commented on DXC's actions, sent us emails saying like, how dare you? This person is doing, you know, his best. Like, do you know any other better candidate? Why can't you wait for him to be elected? What's wrong with you getting up there and stealing the mic from him? How dare you say all of this? And I think that, you know, essentially the, the, I think the essence of, of what people are saying here is this is really uncomfortable. This is someone we should be supporting and to do something like take a mic away from him while he's trying to speak and talk about his platform, talk about making change. Pause for a second. We all believe in animal rights, but wait your turn. And I think what we want to convey at DXC is that animals have been waiting their turn for tens of thousands of years and and they're done waiting and they're getting slaughtered. They are having their babies steal, uh, taken away from their mothers. Um, you know, these animals are subjected to horrific cruelty that I, as an investigator, have seen with my own eyes. I have rescued animals like Roslyn from a massive dairy farm. So I feel that sense of urgency because I've looked into their eyes and anybody else who's you know, rescued these animals, been arrested for these animals, or even seen some of the horrific footage from um, inside of these farms and slaughterhouses knows that they are done waiting. And though we appreciate, and especially me, I, I really do mean it when I say I am, you know, I'm, I'm one of Bernie's biggest supporters. I really care about what he says. I care about what he stands for. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly why I find it so important to, um, to try to get his attention on this. And if, you know, if we've learned anything from past social justice movements, it's that we, you know, we can try to be nice, we can try to get a sit down, we can try to get a seat on the political table, we can try to do all of these things that are, you know, um, quote unquote, nice. But when those options are exhausted, and we have reached out to Bernie Sanders campaign, we actually were promised that we're going to have a conversation with one of his, by one of his staff, um, uh, you know, by one of her, by one of the staff on his campaign. And uh, that didn't happen multiple times. It just, it was clear to us that if we want to get the animal's perspective in the political realm, uh, it's important for us to make it happen ourselves. And there's so much happening on, in, in this world right now. So one of the things that people ask us is like, why, why do these ladies, my friends, my co-organizers have to take their shirts off? And um, I just want to give a huge shout out to you know, to the entire team really that made this happen, but the three women especially who were arrested uh, for going topless, Rachel Ziegler, Audrey Reese, and Carla Cabral. And, you know, these are incredible women who, you know, without them, we would not have gotten any of this cover coverage. And so the reason that we, you know, went up there, took the mic away from Bernie, and, um, and also the, my friends took their shirts off is because we're trying to make this uh, an issue, which is not seen as one. And um, and Bernie Sanders, you know, when we one of the interesting things is that when we were at the rally, um, the opening uh, statements made by the mayor of New York and several other several other um, people who Bill were, de Blasio you know, was there. there Sorry, Bill de Blasio was speaking there. The... Yeah. Yeah. Mayor of New York was there. That's right amazing. Before. And so it was, you know, it was really awesome to hear from them. And it's funny because they're talking about how we have to, if we want to take, if we want to take our power back, it takes the grassroots movement. And I look around at all, all the people from DXC who were at that rally. We're like, yeah, you're right. Like you are so right. We're shaking our heads. We're, you know, we, we believe in everything that you're saying. And there was this woman who went up there and talked about how um, the need for Medicare and the diseases that, um, people in the country are facing and how she had to get blood transfusions and how nobody should be denied a basic right such as me such as medical care. And even even in little testimonies like that, you can see how we all believe in the same values. If you look at these animals and you look at what's happening inside of these farms, these animals are subjected to horrific diseases, which then in turn, as we've seen, humans end up um, you know, humans end up um, because of the food that they eat from these animal products and these animals themselves um, also getting it. Th this entire industry is, you know, completely illegitimate in 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 every way. But what I was trying to the point I was trying to make is that we have similar values that everyone deserves basic rights, such as having no care. But for the animals, they don't even have the basic right to live safe, happy, and free. And so because Bernie Sanders believes in in, in these basic rights, because he is 
has this progressive platform and because he's saying like hey i'm not for the billionaire i'm not for the billionaires mm -hmm. i'm not for um you know i'm not for these subsidies like why are we not talking about the animal agriculture industry which is you know i mean if you look at smithfield this is the largest pig farm on this planet mm -hmm. it's owned by a chinese conglomerate and if you're talking about like a billion dollar company that's getting free handouts how can we ignore animal agriculture and that is why we essentially took the mic away from bernie not because we hate him not because we don't want him to win um because we believe in him and we're calling upon his better um spirit his better angel to uh basically do what's right what he already believes in and i think in the hopefully the next few months or years we're gonna see him take a stance on that and so uh, th that's all great. I want to get into a lot of that more specifically as we talk. You know, first of all, um, that is just, it is like so poetically perfect uh, that Bill de Blasio was one of the opening speakers before he went up there. This guy who the most, the thing that he's probably most famous for is killing that groundhog in New York. Uh, I don't know if like people from outside of New York know this about Bill de Blasio, that he dropped the groundhog. Uh, do you know this story about Bill de Blasio, that he dropped the groundhog on Groundhog Day and literally tried to cover it up because it was injured so badly it ended up dying? Oh, I did not, not, I didn't know that he did that to a groundhog. That's yeah. really Sorry, I mean, really sad and sorry that for that poor animal who had to experience that. And yeah. Yeah, that's disgusting. Like it's yeah, I mean, it's mostly considered a, a joke to people, uh, but it is just like a horrific example of, uh, yeah, an, an abusive industry to not industry. It's like a, you know, sub industry, this Groundhog Day thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, Bill de Blasio is uh, like has done a lot worse to a lot of people, too. Um, you absolutely were not the, uh, you know, person deserving of criticism most on that stage that day. Um, and just to get to the criticism that you've gotten, you mentioned when you started talking uh, the kind of, uh, you know, whatever criticism is valid, uh, people can voice their opinions, but the kind of aggressive criticism uh, you and your group have gotten, DXE, uh, since this event, um, I think has been really stunning for a lot of reasons. Um, I've personally seen on Twitter, I've seen people make demeaning comments about you specifically, about your looks, um, you know, sexist comments. I've seen people, uh, you know, quote unquote, jokingly say that you are a Modiist, you're a supporter of Modi in India, um, and, you know, uh, generally speculations on uh, your mental health, uh, kind of treating this event as like a public pornographic spectacle. Uh, and these kind of uh, attacks on animal rights activists are so familiar to anyone who has been involved in this work or has been paying attention to it for forever. The idea that animal rights or animal liberation activists are nut jobs or conspiracy theorists or crypto fascists, as apparently you've been racistly called. Um, you know, I think it's been really disappointing some of the ways that people who uh, I, you know, uh, presumably identify as people on the left have reacted to uh, your uh, intervention in this campaign, in this presidential campaign. And I want to talk generally. So, uh, you know, I, I do still want to hear in your words sort of uh, how this uh, event ended up happening. Um, but I want to give people the context that is, you know, uh, we're speaking, like I said, on Friday, February 21st, uh, the Nevada caucus is going to be tomorrow. Um, and you were in Nevada while Bernie was campaigning for that caucus. Uh, Bernie Sanders is the Democratic frontrunner right now. And uh, you said, you know, people have been sending you guys messages saying, like, why didn't you pick another candidate? Uh, just to be clear, DXE has protested uh, Trump and who else? Hillary Clinton. Um, like th these events are not, uh, you know, specifically uh, targeting Bernie alone. Um, this movement has been around a lot longer than a lot of these people have been paying attention. Uh, and these kind of, uh, you know, public protests are not even the main thing that I think DXE is known for. I certainly got to know you all from, I think I mentioned this maybe before we started recording, but from Glenn Greenwald and Intercept coverage of uh, DXE animal rescues uh, and documentation of animal abuses at factory farms. Uh, you mentioned Smithfield Foods. 
um, is the largest industrial farming uh, company, I, I think, in the world, but certainly in the U.S., um, and, uh, you know, uh, there was, I want to get into this article from The Intercept in a little bit that was about uh, a rescue operation for these two piglets who then the FBI, uh, you know, tracked down to the ends of the earth, uh, abused other pigs and uh, intimidated activists in their search for, um, you know, I want to be clear that this is uh, an issue that is, you know, whether you care about it or not, dear listener, billionaires in America care a great deal about it. The FBI cares a great deal about it. Um, and so I think people should as well. But we're speaking in a really interesting moment when Bernie Sanders has a really good shot of winning this nomination and then the presidency after that. And so I think a lot of this uh, this battle over Bernie Sanders, not just in his person, but in his campaign generally, uh, is really fascinating at this moment because for the first time in forever, I mean, literally forever, this is probably the most left-wing candidate for president who has a shot of getting it since FDR. Um, you know, it, like, definitely Jesse Jackson uh, got very close uh, and probably would have been at least as left-wing, probably more. Uh, but we have a real shot at a left movement seizing some kind of power in uh, the U.S. right now. And just at this moment, there is a lot of... Uh, pulling and tugging at the movement, at the Bernie Sanders movement, to try to decide, okay, what stays in here and what gets excluded? Uh, this is something that I think we've seen particularly with the anti-war movement. AOC, this is something you hear from the Sanders kind of wing of the Democratic Party all the time is, you know, we were built on activist pressure and we want activist pressure to continue. We want people to hold us accountable. At the same time, AOC uh, recently had... Uh, you know, supporters of the Bolivian coup that she did a photo op with, who she invited into her office and gave time to, at the same time that she's been uh, dismissing anti-Bolivian coup activists who have gone to her office, uh, who are getting chillier responses than they got from the, uh, you know, New York real estate lobby guy who was in her seat before. And I, I am just not sure that the Sanders movement is... Uh, honest when they say, please protest us. And that's not a knock against that movement in particular. It's just that, like, people don't like to be protested. It's a messy, embarrassing sometimes kind of business. But I think it's important to see, will these movements be included under the Bernie Sanders umbrella? Will the movement against wars, against borders, movements for children's liberation and animal liberation, will they get a seat at the table here? Or are we taking big agra and factory farming off the table for a movement that purports to care about the climate crisis number one and labor number two, both of which are enormous issues uh, that big agro is responsible for. You know, please feel free to respond to any of that. But I also want to know, just from your perspective, what like what happened uh, in Carson City, kind of the play by play? You mentioned that these activists were arrested. I've seen that they, uh, at least as of um, that Sunday, were being held on twenty five hundred dollar bond each. Um, can you talk a little bit about the context for this, the build up to this action, uh, why you thought it was necessary, what happened on the day of, and what has happened since then? Yeah, you yeah you said so much, and that was so insightful. And I think that yeah, I mean, what is going to get included and what is going to get excluded? I think that's entirely up to us. And I think you're absolutely right when you say, hey, you know, Bernie Sanders and and all of and the left really claims to care about climate change. So if we are if we're serious about there's we can have a conversation about, about addressing climate change without addressing animal agriculture for obvious reasons. One that gets overlooked is that the biggest victims of climate change are non-animals. And if we're if we're truly trying to be speciesist and if we're truly trying to elevate the perspective of, of animals and also bring together the values that all of us care about, especially progressive, um, you know, progressive uh, people such as Bernie Sanders, then we have to be willing to you know, push boundaries. And you're right, people don't like getting protested. It is messy. In this case, it was very, very messy. And I think even even animal rights activists, even, you know, even people in our, our movement are just not convinced that this works. And we can have a dialogue about that. But I think one of the things that we have noticed, and we have evidence for this, is that we have gotten so much press coverage. And the interesting thing that I have noted from all of the press coverage that we've gotten is I have not seen an article that has condemned Bernie Sanders. There was an article in the Times of India that was super interesting, hmm. which basically, you know, didn't target Bernie Sanders. And if they, they basically attacked Trump and said, 
um, first of all, they admitted that that they had, the Times of India admitted that dairy is a dying industry and that Americans are so desperate that Trump is literally trying to make India a market to keep the dairy industry alive. Really? So we're having a conversation about like anti-dairy, which is right there as a win. And also the, notice how Trump is being attacked, not Bernie. You know, the, the, the quote right in the Times of India, right before that quote about Trump um, was basically a quote from me saying like, I support Bernie and I want him to win. And, you know, basically just showing him support. And then right after that, there's a comment about Trump and how like Americans are desperate. And India is the world's uh, largest milk producer. So we're seeing that dairy is dying. It's on its way out. Let's just be honest about it. And the Bernie Sanders disruption definitely did not hurt the anti-dairy message. It elevated it in ways that honestly were surprising to me in a positive way. So um, yeah, I guess just, you know, a little all over the place response there. But I think that that's one of the things that I noticed from all the press coverage. And another thing that I noticed is that we're not only just talking about this action in a um, in, in sort of like a confined way, we the, the there was a piece on Vox that talked about open rescue. I saw that this, talked yeah. about that talked about DXC's provocative tactics and actually pointed out uh, and said, "Hey, all these other animal rights groups are doing great work. I mean, I certainly am not in, interested in condemning the work that other animal rights groups are doing. But let's be honest: if you're not willing to be a little bit outlandish, then you're not going to get the kind of coverage that DXC is getting. And that's so true." You have to be able to be provocative and controversial if you're trying to, uh, you know, if you're trying to get your message out there. Not saying that everything is going to work, but if we're not willing to try, then we're not, we're just not, you know, expressing that sense of urgency for the animal rights movement that I think we should be. And I think we should be doing more of this stuff, not less. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. We actually, uh, just earlier this week, uh, we had an interview with Dr. Carla Tate, who is a land defender at the Wet'suwet'en Territory in, um, you know, so-called British Columbia, uh, who's trying to stop the pipeline coming through there and uh, destroying their land. One of the things we uh, talked about with her was uh, the fact that that whole pipeline project in Canada is underwritten by this private equity firm, KKR. And uh, one of the really interesting things about KKR is that they have worked with the Environmental Defense Fund to justify their actions and try to do, you know, clean fracking projects, which obviously is a contradiction in terms. Um, that Vox article was really fascinating because it discusses... So this is the article you're referring to, which uh, just came out in the last couple of days. This is from February 19th by Kelsey Piper at Vox. The topless protesters disrupting Bernie Sanders rallies explained, a classic Vox title. But there, there is this point made in this article that there are various ways uh, of engaging with animal liberation and animal rights movements. This is, uh, uh, you know, a quote from this article, direct action everywhere's tactics put them at odds with much of the rest of the animal activism movement. Many of the leading organizations have increasingly focused on changing the underlying economics of animal farming, focusing on lobbying corporations to pledge to go cage-free, or on introducing plant-based alternatives to meat, um, I can kind of understand why plant-based alternatives to meat uh, would be changing the underlying economics, but uh, I don't know how a pledge to go cage-free would lead to ending the, uh, let's say, chicken uh, meat industry or something like that. And I think one thing that is really uh, heartening about your protest and your message, which was, uh, as these protesters had written on their chests and as the banner said, let dairy die. One of the points that I think you make really well in uh, DXE's statement on this and in just all the press you've been doing on it is the fact that dairy is more and more a subsidized industry in the U.S. This is an industry that probably couldn't survive without uh, government subsidization and encouragement, uh, just like this pipeline in Canada, which is getting massive subsidies and tax breaks from the Canadian state. This is something you, I, I was happy to see you pointed out because I never hear people talking about this. The fact that Obama's ex-Secretary uh, of Agriculture, Tom Vilsack, is now a lobbyist for Big Dairy. Uh, he is uh, the CEO and president of U.S. Dairy Export Council, which is just a lobby group for Big Dairy. Um, and the fact that this, uh, there has been this spate of dairy industry uh, bills 
this is uh, in the statement uh, by DXE about this uh, disruption. Wisconsin Senator Tammy Baldwin, a top recipient of DFA campaign contributions, that's Dairy Farmers of America, sponsored the Dairy Pride Act, uh, which seeks to ban words like milk and butter in labeling dairy alternatives like soy milk. Elizabeth Warren was a surprising 2018 sponsor of the Dairy Pride Act, which is like, okay, so why would you be a sponsor of this bill that says, like, you can't say almond milk, you have to say, like, almond water or something? Uh, You can't say coconut milk, even though these words have been in use for uh, decades and centuries in the case of coconut milk. The only reason, obviously, is lobbying. It is the uh, flush of cash that Big Agra and these industries uh, spend on politicians. Yeah, I mean, the ties that you just pointed out between the industry, the animal agriculture industry and government are just so obvious. And this is something that as my time as being an investigator and animal rescuer and someone who's exposed a lot of animal cruelty has just become more and more clear. So if we want to, you know, if we want to truly see animal agriculture get dismantled and to see animals be safe, happy and free, which is our goal in DXC. And I think the entire movement, too, though we might disagree on tactics, we have to be willing to call out the, you know, the deceptive ways in which the government is keeping alive a dying industry, a violent industry, and one which is really not good for humans, non-humans or the planet itself. And, you know, like you said, mainstream news, CNN.com had an article not too long ago, which the the first line says, in 2010, 55 billion pounds of milk were sold in the United States. By 2018, that figure dropped to 47.7 47.7 billion, a decline of about 13%. And basically, they're talking about how dairy is on its way out. And we're asking, this campaign is asking for uh, prominent figures, prominent politicians to just let dairy die. And we're polarizing the issue. And if it's already on its way out, then it's more likely that we're going to get support from people like Bernie Sanders, who are already, you know, are not really in favor of, um, you know, of, of of these subsidies who uh, speak out against some of these, uh, you know, some of these things in different contexts, but because it's animal rights and it gets so blatantly ignored in the mainstream news, Mm -hmm. um, less so now, um, you know, they don't feel compelled to take a stance on it. But I think when we have actions like this, when we're calling it for what it is and saying, look, there's clear ties between the industry and government. And if we're trying to, and if you, Bernie Sanders, are saying that that's not okay, that's not acceptable, which he has said, you know, many times, and he's for the people, um, then you should be taking a stance for these animals, then you should be taking a stance against these subsidies, and you should just let this industry die, because it's not doing any good. And, and like I said, it's already on its way out. So, um, yeah. And this is something that I have seen in other articles discuss this, that uh, this is this is such a sop to the industry that politicians so frequently make, especially presidential politicians, because Iowa is such a center of the industrial farming industry, uh, of the factory farming industry. Uh, you know, Bernie Sanders has tweeted stuff like this is from May 2019. We'll link to in the episode description. Uh, Bernie tweeted, factory farms are responsible for 1.4 trillion pounds of animal waste in America. They are a threat to the water we drink and the air we breathe. And it is unbelievable to me that Republicans in Congress have been working overtime to exempt factory farms from environmental laws. Uh, people might be familiar with uh, this issue of, I believe they were called pig lagoons, are these uh, just like completely toxic, uh, not at all well dis- uh, disposed of uh, pools of pig waste that collect at these horrific factory farms, especially uh, on the coast, where uh, at one point hurricanes were threatening to uh, release those lagoons of feces and urine into the rest of the water supply. This is, you know, an environmental issue on kind of every level. And Bernie Sanders recognizes that, uh, but maybe is trying to keep quiet about it now that he, you know, needs votes uh, from certain industries, uh, or, or at least needs certain industries to be quiet and not tell people not to vote for him. Um, I, I think it's really interesting to see this and to remember, you know, Bernie, uh, in every closing message he's ever given, uh, has made this point that what, what this movement is about is about a people's movement that will stand up to the military-industrial complex, to big pharma, to uh, 
um, you know, uh, Wall Street, to these industries that corrupt our environments and bodies and uh, work lives and uh, politics uh, from the top down, why isn't Big Agra a part of that conversation? It certainly is one of these industries. Can I ask you, uh, so I, I, we've talked around this uh, a little bit, but I want to get into this Ben and Jerry's issue and uh, the specific ties to the Sanders campaign, which, again, like, I support the Sanders campaign. I'm still a Bernie bro, uh, whatever. But uh, I think it is worth noting the times when uh, representatives of this industry get a little too close to these people's movements that otherwise uh, should be speaking for the people. Uh, so this is something that you speak about in this, and I don't know if you had a hand in writing this or whatever, but in the DXE uh, press release on this uh, uh, Nevada disruption, uh, you mention the <laughs> closeness of the Ben and Jerry's uh, company and their representatives. Who is it? Ben or Jerry? Who's involved in the Sanders campaign? I never remember. <laughs> it's Ben Cohen. He's the co-chair um, on Bernie Sanders' campaign, and mm. he's also the founder of uh, Ben and Jerry's. And DXC investigators investigated multiple uh, Ben and Jerry supplying dairy farms and found horrific, you know stuff that we've already seen are, uh, you know, practices in the dairy industry. But in this case, it was not, I mean, every, every case is different, but there's some things that are so standard to the dairy industry. One of them is separating mothers from their babies. And then other things that are a little bit more, um, you know, specific to the areas which in which they're happening. In this case, uh, these dairy farms in Vermont, uh, these poor calves are, newborn calves are separated from their mothers. They're kept in hutches um, in below freezing temperatures. And the only time that mothers and babies are disturbingly together are when their bodies are being disposed of um, and, you know, it's basically in a dead pile. And it's just awful to think about that. But that is that like you, you know, when you asked why are why are we so reluctant to talk about this, especially in the context of animal agriculture, given all of the, you know, the the environmental devastation that animal agriculture causes, I think the answer is because of, well, one, because of these ties, because there's so much, I mean, animal agriculture has infiltrated so much of this country, so much of this world. There's so many, there's so much that we have to address that that the ties are, are close to home and you don't want to talk about it. And then the second thing is fear, because this is kind of like this, you know, thing that we don't talk about. We are not talking about the violence that's happening to the planet, to the people, to non-human animals, because we don't want to see what is happening. Because if we were to see the way that we are devastating our planet, the way that we are devastating these animals, we're breaking their bodies, we're brutalizing them, we're separating um, them from their families. And the way that we're also letting humans, you know, get diseases. I mean, look at the coronavirus, the the underlying disease is animal exploitation. And we are afraid to talk about it. Because when we look at that big picture, and we really take a moment to hold that in our mind, it is depressing. It is really scary. But the upshot is that there are things that we can do about it. And we still have time. And that is why we come with a sense of urgency. So if we have to take off our clothes as women to show the objectification that that animals face, that um, mothers in the dairy industry face, uh, because you know some of those par- some of those experiences can be uh, parallel with the experiences that women uh, face themselves of being objectified, then we will do that. If we have to take the mic away from a politician who we support, even though it's uncomfortable, then we will do that. And I think that, um, I think, you know, one of the things I want to say is that there's a lot of, um, a lot of reluctance, not right now, don't, don't be honest about what you're really trying to say, because you don't want to put people off. Mm -hmm. I have never, my years of being an organizer or an activist, seen um, really negative results from being honest and being being authentic about what we are trying to get, which is a world where animals are not being abused. We have, you know, taken many actions in the city of Berkeley. We have disrupted restaurants. We have, um, you know, we have protested. We have marched. We have done so much in the city of Berkeley. And when it comes down to it, when it came down to it, the city of Berkeley unanimously passed a resolution in support of nonviolent 
um, activists who are facing felony charges, including myself, mm -hmm. for exposing animal abuse and rescuing animals. So, you know, all that basically to say that when it comes down to it, being honest and being authentic and being truthful about your message and about your cause and about the goal that you're trying to achieve eventually pays off. And it might be uncomfortable, but it's worth doing. And I want to talk more in depth about why some of our uh, even popular or, you know, leftist uh, kind of lenses for critique and analysis uh, often fail to understand uh, animal liberation as an issue or animals' plight in our society. Um, but I want to talk uh, just for a minute about uh, your plight. Um, you know, you weren't able to record yesterday because you said you were uh, you had to go to court. These people who protested and took their shirts off uh, in Nevada uh, were charged with public indecency and held on $2,500 bond each. Uh, I didn't even know you could be arrested for public indecency in Nevada. Like, that's just so outrageous. Uh, and especially for something that, like, toplessness is totally legal in New York City. This is such a bizarre thing that Bernie Sanders would let these people, protesters, peaceful, nonviolent protesters, be arrested at his event, just throw them to the cops. Uh, like, I understand he didn't, you know, might not have known how to respond in that moment, uh, but I hope that eventually, you know, he speaks out for these people. But can you tell us a little bit about the fallout since uh, this action? Uh, we can talk more about the ways that, you know, the FBI, uh, private, in, uh, uh, private uh, intelligence organizations have gone after you and local police departments. But just specifically for this Nevada action, uh, what is the legal situation right now? Uh, are people still in jail? Uh, are people out? Uh, what's what's happening there? So the three women who were arrested and on public indecency charges uh, are out. They got out, uh, thankfully, that same night. And um, because of all of our supporters, thanks to them, we were able to, you know, get them out. And I think, yeah, we were really shocked because this is a sexist law. I mean, let's let's be honest. And it's awful that that uh, these women are facing, uh, you know, these charges and now they do have lawyers and uh, they actually went back to court already and we'll keep people posted about what happens. But yeah, it's really, really disturbing because like you said, even though Bernie Sanders might not have basically said, get these people arrested, I think he has the power. Actually, I don't think I know he has the power because if he got up on stage and just said, hey, 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 let these women talk and not even that, just like let them go. I'm it's uncomfortable. I didn't want to have like this, this milk, this bloody milk thrown on me. I didn't want, you know, I didn't, I, I wanted to not, this was not a pleasant experience, but I really don't think that we should have these, that we should have these women arrested because whatever, you know, whatever side you're on, the fact that you have, the, you have women like Rachel, Audrey, uh, Carla willing to get on there and do something that's uncomfortable for them. I know for Carla, this was one of the first times she did something like this. And I know it was uncomfortable for her. The fact that they're willing to put themselves in this position, willing to risk their freedom. And Rachel Ziegler is already, she's my co-defendant, and she's already facing criminal charges in Sonoma County for exposing animal abuse and rescuing animals from some of the most horrible chicken farms um, in the state and honestly across the world. And the reason that they're doing it is because they feel the sense of urgency and because they have seen firsthand what happens to these animals and they're just they're just done being silent about it and so they're doing well i know that they're in good spirits we have an amazing community here and online who have been supporting these women and i think the biggest win for these women is that we have successfully gotten the message of animal rights out there in a way that um you know that, that other actions don't uh, have have this sort of an impact. And you just have to look to something like the LGBTQ rights movement to see how fast this kind of stuff can change. I think it's actually, you know, this is the perfect, you know, when people say, why now, this is a bad time. I think this is actually a perfect time to try to push Bernie left on these issues and not Bernie as a person, but Bernie's movement, I think, should uh, have space for these people and for uh, these animals, for these non-human animals. Um, so I, you know, you mentioned... Uh, the criminalization of uh, reporting on animal abuse in factory farms in California. Uh, this is something that I just saw in January of this year, so fairly recently. Uh, Lee Fong at The Intercept, uh, it, resident Intercept hottie Lee Fong, uh, reported... Mm -hmm. 
uh, on, uh, this is from the Intercept, factory farm industry quietly lobbies California officials to criminalize animal rescue activism. And I'm sure, you know, they've already found ways to criminalize you before this. Uh, but this is just a, a fascinating look into uh, the industry. This starts, the factory farming industry has had enough of direct action everywhere. The controversial animal liberation activist group, the California Farm Bureau Federation, the powerful agribusiness trade group, along with its local affiliates, has pushed for aggressive policing and prosecutions of direct action everywhere, or DXE. Now, records obtained by The Intercept show that the California Farm Bureau Bureau worked behind closed doors to limit legal exemptions that DXE has long claimed provide protections for its work. Uh, DXE, which is based in Berkeley, California, has waged a provocative campaign of civil disobedience, blah, blah, blah. Uh, the actions, which have included rescues at meat and egg plants over the last two years in Sonoma County, have seized headlines and drawn national attention to the organization's cause, while mobilizing opposition within the factory farming industry. DXE has claimed that its actions are protected under an obscure section of state law, California Penal Code code paragraph 597E, which authorizes individuals to enter pounds to provide nourishment for neglected animals. Um, th and this providing nourishment for neglected animals is such a fascinating thing to be talking about now. Uh, I don't know if you saw this video of Joaquin Phoenix leaving the SAG Awards and going straight to a vigil for pigs who yeah. were on their way to the slaughterhouse. I think most people don't really know uh, the torture and murder, that is the meat and dairy industry. Um, and I think we have a moral obligation to talk about it and to expose it for what it really is. Mm -hmm. um, we are so indoctrinated with these images of happy animals on farms and the covers of milk containers and at restaurants and they're all kinds of advertisements. Um, and it's a lie. But I mean, just the uh, the videos of these pigs sticking their snouts out of the holes in their cages for activists to put little straws uh, that, uh, you know, squirt water into their mouths. Uh, these pigs are so desperate for not just the water, but for contact for like anyone caring about them. It is so clear that this, you know, uh, people might think, oh, what's the big deal in saving, you know, two piglets or a chicken or something like that. Um, but I would just, uh, you know, I know this is such an animal rights standard, but I would really encourage people to watch some of the videos I'll be linking to in our description to understand what a difference this kind of thing makes. And uh, again, uh, not to, you know, read too much into the mic, but uh, this is uh, from Glenn Greenwald back in 2017 uh, on, again, The Intercept. Uh, the FBI's hunt for two missing piglets reveals the federal cover-up of barbaric factory farms. Uh, and this is, I think, the first article that, uh, you know, tipped me off that DXE was even a thing. Uh, but this starts out, FBI agents are devoting substantial resources to a multi-state hunt for two baby piglets that the Bureau believes are named Lucy and Ethel. The two piglets were removed over the summer from the Circle 4 farm in Utah by animal rights activists who had entered the Smithfield Foods-owned factory farm to film the brutal, torturous conditions in which the pigs are bred in order to be slaughtered. This, I mean, you know, this goes on to list, you can, you know, kind of fill this in with everything you've ever heard heard about the meat industry, the kind of uh, just totally atrocious, uh, disturbing uh, ways that these pigs are raised, um, and in particular this uh, what is this? Uh, female pigs. Uh, sorry, female pigs give birth in this condition where they are put in so-called farrowing crates, where they give birth, and their piglets run underneath them to suckle and are often trampled to death. The sows are bred repeatedly this way until their fertility declines, at which point they are slaughtered and turned into meat. Uh, the pigs are so desperate to get out of their crates that they often spend weeks trying to bite through the iron bars until their gums gush blood, bash their heads against the walls, and suffer a disease in which their organs end up mangled in the wrong places uh, from the sheer physical trauma of trying to escape from a tiny space or from acute anxiety. This is called organ torsion. Uh, the practice is so cruel that in 2014, Canada effectively banned its usage as the European Union had done two years earlier. But this, is, uh, this article is less about these pigs' conditions than it is about this FBI piglet hunt. 
uh, that led to these, you know, uh, atrocities against animals and human beings. The rescue of these two particular piglets has literally become a federal case by all appearances. So yeah, these two piglets were allegedly taken from these torturous conditions where they were close to death. They were in a pile of already dead piglets uh, under their uh, parent pig. On the last day of August, this is back in 2017, a six-car armada of FBI agents in bulletproof vests armed with search warrants descended upon two small shelters for abandoned farm animals, Ching Farm Rescue in Riverton, Utah, and Leuven Arms in Erie, Colorado. Colorado. These sanctuaries have no connection to DXE or any other rescue groups. They simply serve as a shelter for sick, abandoned, or otherwise injured animals. Uh, the attachments to the search warrants specified that the FBI agents could take, quote, DNA samples, blood, hair follicles, or ear clippings to be seized from swine with the following characteristics. They describe a couple of characteristics of piglets. Uh, the FBI agents searched the premises of both shelters. They demanded DNA samples of two piglets they said were named Lucy and Ethel in order to determine whether they were the two ailing piglets who had been rescued weeks earlier from Smithfield. And I'm almost done here. I'm sorry. Uh, no. Yeah. A representative from Leuven Arms who insisted on anonymity due to fear of the pending criminal investigation described the events. The FBI agents ordered staff and volunteers to stay away from the animals and then approach the piglets. To obtain the DNA samples, the state veterinarians accompanying the FBI used a snare to pressurize the piglet's snout, thus immobilizing her in pain and fear, and then cut off close to two inches of the piglet's ear. The piglet's pain was so severe and her screams so piercing that the sanctuary's staff members screamed and cried. Even the FBI agents were so sufficiently disturbed by the resulting trauma that they directed the veterinarians not to subject the second piglet to the procedure. And this piglet was obviously traumatized, was depressed for weeks afterward, um, and has not fully recovered since. Um, and then these FBI agents followed these uh, rescue workers at these shelters uh, who didn't even have anything to do with DXE. They followed them back to their home intimidated them in front of their families and communities. Uh, so, you know, who's to say, like, maybe the FBI just cares a lot about this property, as they understand it, of Smithfield Foods, the largest, uh, you know, factory farm uh, company in the world. Uh, or maybe there is some interest that they have in serving as a private police force for these people who are torturing pigs and don't want this information to get out. So again, I just want to remind people how relevant this is uh, to the most powerful people in the country, how much they care about this, um, and how much this uh, twists uh, kind of all of our experiences. Um, I don't have time for this, but there are uh, incredible articles that I'll link to in the description about ways that SeaWorld and Ringling Brothers have hired, uh, have established private spying agencies to do dirty tricks against animal activists, infiltrate their organizations. There was a very high level uh, PETA member who was an employee of SeaWorld after Blackfish, uh, you know, revealed what an atrocity their, uh, you know, whale torture was. Um, and that's just for, you know, so-called charismatic megafauna like elephants and whales that are being tortured. Uh, the way that pigs are totally left behind these black boxes uh, and tortured is just so uh, atrocious. So I am, I, I, you know, I can't thank you all at DXE enough for uh, doing this work, which, you know, not only gives me a reason to talk about this on my podcast, which we might not otherwise have had, but I mean, this is uh, starting a conversation that I hope continues into, you know, God willing, the Bernie Sanders administration. Um, and this stuff can change very quickly, especially if it's an industry like this that clearly relies on the state that it funds uh, to protect it. Yeah. And I think, you know, just to respond to that, Dan, I think the I think the reason that we have the FBI and all of the all of the government resources um, policing basically willing to be bodyguards for the animal agriculture industry is one it's money and um, and I think that there's a lot of money and power these politicians are trying to get elected they want the support of these farmers they want that you know they want they basically want to protect um, protect themselves and uh, their assets. And I think that the reason that they go after their quote unquote property, these these dying piglets is not because they care about them at all. It's because they want to use these incidents to intimidate activists and let them know in a, in a very strong message that we will come after you. We will try to destroy your lives and we will be relentless about it. 
here's the good news. Legal repression historically has always worked in the favor of, of activists, has always worked in the favor of whistleblowers. And of course, it comes at a cost. And I'm not saying that it's not scary to face prison time. It's, it's scary for me. It's scary for my family. It's scary for my friends. It's scary for our movement. But it's also a tool which is powerful in creating change, especially when you can when you can, you know, basically see how the industry is trying to use these situations uh, to intimidate us, not be intimidated by it and continue doing what you believe is right, continue rescuing animals, continue exposing the truth. And the writing is on the wall. Dairy is dying. Let it die. Animals are people. Let them live and that the world needs people who are going to step up and say what's true and what's needed right now, which is that we need to take urgent action for the animals, for the environment, and we need to do it now. That's right. And just for people, so that people don't misunderstand this at all, I just want to be clear that you know, our liberation is wrapped up in the liberation of these non-human animals. Uh, you know, isn't that right? And some of your faves, like, I, I want people to understand that, you know, we on this podcast, we call ourselves socialists. Um, I don't know. Do you, are you, do you think of yourself as a socialist? I mean, I, yeah, I mean, in many ways, yes. I, I just feel like, um, I, I mean, my, my, the fight of my life is is animal rights mm-hmm. and i want to do what's best for animals but also i believe in a world which is uh giving equality to everybody and i want you know i want to I, I believe strongly in those issues too uh, this is just something that i you know i am not unaware of this uh like it, it is part stereotype and part reality the same way there is this bernie bro image there is a vegan bro image that is of a white male who values animal lives over anyone else's, basically over laborers, over people of color, uh, people outside of the U.S. And, you know, it is it is absolutely true that there are uh, hugely abusive and appalling practices in uh, plant cultivation as well. We want to take down those industries too, I would hope. Um, this video uh, on Twitter went around recently uh, from United Farm Workers of these farm workers pulling radishes out of the ground, uh, and they are working like robots. I mean, no one should be forced to labor like that. Uh, at, I'm sure the uh, starvation wages they get paid uh, so that I can eat. Um, I want those people's liberation, too. I think that if we weren't subsidizing the dairy industry, we might have more money to spread around. If, uh, you know, money weren't being concentrated with uh, organizations like Monsanto, we might have more money to distribute to these people. But I I think this is important for people to remember that uh, non-human animals are sentient beings and whatever you think of them, uh, whatever you think of the issue, there is, I think, a hole sometimes in the way we talk about building socialism or left movements or people's movements generally, which is, uh, and this is something I experience, you know, I, I, uh, I am not as politically engaged as I wish I could be sometimes. Um, life gets in the way, but the way that I am most involved in Chicago is through Chicago DSA. I do uh, work to abolish uh, child immigrant detention centers in the city and in Illinois, um, and that is a an example of uh, a, another group of people who have no constituency in the power structures in the U.S. They are people who are dually disenfranchised because they are not citizens and they are not adults. And it can sometimes, I think, pass socialists by, especially orthodox Marxists who are so interested in uh, the labor theory of value and the way that human labor is extracted by other human beings. Uh, There are other kinds of exploitation that aren't always easy to categorize as labor exploitation. Uh, In the case of these children who are just a subset of the exploited class that is prisoners, uh, they are doing labor, they are being exploited in that way, they do what they call chores, which is just maintenance work on their prisons, uh, and so their labor is being extracted, but there is something else that's being extracted there. Uh, you can call it, you know, the vulnerability of these children or their innocence that lets uh, a private organization get these government grants to imprison these kids in this private prison system. You can say in a, in a general prison system, it is a kind of like moral uh, uh, calculus that's done a a bunch of, you know, obviously a lot of modern uh, prisons are slave plantations reimagined, uh, but there are plenty of people in prison who are not 
productive or not made to be productive in the kind of classical economic sense, uh, what is it that's being extracted from them? It's dignity, it's morality, it's innocence. These things that I think are kind of more abstract often get left out of the conversation when we talk about labor exploitation and workers' movements. Um, and I think on the other end, non-human animals are almost too literal in their exploitation for a lot of socialists to uh, wrap their head around it. It's too material for the materialists. Uh, it's not It's not visceral, it is viscera. We're talking about blood and guts that are being extracted from these beings. And uh, whether it is the movement against borders, the movement against wars, children's liberation, prisoners' liberation, uh, non-human animal liberation, these are movements that are going to require a lot more drastic tactics, I think, often because they don't have voting or paying or working constituencies in the U.S. so often. So uh, people like you, Priya, I think are just so important uh, to be doing this work. Uh, it makes uh, so much of a difference, so outsized uh, the difference it makes compared to the, uh, you know, the small action that it is. So if you have any parting words, I would love to hear them. But otherwise, I just want to thank you. Send us all your solidarity and stay out of prison, please. <laughs> Yeah, thank you so much for everything that you do, all the work that you're doing for um, bringing up this issue and so many issues that you just brought up um, that, quite frankly, like I need to, you know, step up on more because you're absolutely right on all fronts. There's so much abuse and violence. And at the end of the day, we want equality for everybody. We want the world to be we want we want an equal world for everybody. And um, like you said, animals are being exploited in, in, in such a literal and and undeniable way that it's just it's disgusting and it's awful and I think the last words that I want to uh, share is that if you're you know feeling angry about this action against or not even against this action um, at Bernie Sanders rallies just remember that anytime historically change has happened it has happened because people have been people have been willing to do what's uncomfortable. And for my friends uh, who took their shirts off, who went topless, who poured, uh, you know, milk on themselves, bloody milk on, on themselves, by the way, it was not uh, cow's milk. For other activists who are doing, you know, what's right, walking inside of farms and slaughterhouses, rescuing animals. My friend James, James Warden in Australia is facing criminal charges. Uh, my friends over here are facing criminal charges for exposing the truth, for uh, taking action and for rescuing animals. And and we believe and we know it's going to change the world. The, time, the question is when, uh, when it's going to happen, not if it's going to happen. And it's happening now. We have Joaquin Phoenix, who just, uh, you know, made this compelling um, speech at the Oscars about what happens in the dairy industry. And then we have this action following. And whatever comes next, whatever action comes next, provocative or not, is only going to add on to this big bucket of um, actions that are basically helping us lead to this uh, th this change that we want for animals and for the planet. Thank you so much. Uh, I think that's a great place to leave it. Uh, again, Priya Sani, co-founder of DXE, Direct Action Everywhere. Thank you so much for being with us. Uh, and please, you know, uh, read the episode description. I'll put in links there where you can support DXE and these protesters, hopefully. Thank you again.